Jesus' name. Welcome to the Naked Truth. As always, if you expected to see nudity, then you came to the right person. Just go to my website, tongueteagirl.com. Just click on the pictures there. I update it every week. Those pictures are actually videos, uh, free videos for you. you can check out, see that side of me. Feel free to get a subscription, a membership, or make a donation, or just check out the free stuff. All of the above are very much appreciated. Now, if you do know what we do here, it's going over the gospel of Jesus Christ, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, um, focusing on red letters. Um, since, as a Christian, Jesus should get the last word. Like, basic. Why would you call yourself a Christian if you're not going to follow Christ's words? So, anyway, to pick up where we left off at, um, we made it to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 3. Um, um, it's finishing up. It finished up talking about um, the seven different churches that, um, well, let's begin with, it said that he, John, the person who wrote it, the, um, who scribed it says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and it's how this whole vision sort of started out. So the one first thing to realize is that there are teachers out there, preachers who will tell you that that means he was taken in the spirit to the Lord's day. Uh, that's not what it says. It says it was the Lord's day and he was in the spirit. So in that case, it would mean that most likely it was on their worship day, most likely Sunday, since that's become the Christian worship day. Uh, but it could have been Saturday since that's the traditional Hebrew Israelite worship day. Um, but either way, it was on the Lord's day uh, when he had that vision. And it went over basically the seven churches. Now, if you're thinking about Revelation as a revelation, a revealing of something that is to come, then it would... Um, uh, well, if you're thinking about in terms of how it was given to the writer, then it would mean seven churches that existed then. Um, but if you're talking about a revelation of end times, then it would mean seven churches that would have to exist now. And as far as I know, these seven churches don't exist. So if you're going to take it, not anymore. So if you're going to take it as um, a futuristic reading of something about the end times, then the only way I would interpret it is that it's talking about the separate different types of Christians or people who claim to be Christians, and what it is, uh, what kind of attributes those people have, what kind of characteristics they um, live by and uh, exhibit that set them apart from others that say they're Christians and actually um, don't make the mark. And it turned out of the seven different examples of churches or Christians, if you want to think about it in end time sort of sense, it would be um, the seven different types one of the ones, for instance, is those who are faithful to the word of the letter of the law, but not to the spirit of the law, and they fall short. And then one that occurred several times was the, those that fall short follow the doctrine of something called the Nicolaitans. It doesn't, and I could not find, like I said, any information on what that means. And some preachers will preach that that means the Kenites. That's not what it says. Um, Kenites are mentioned in the Old Testament as the um, the um, offspring, the descendants of Cain um, from Genesis, um, but they're mentioned as Kenites then where they are mentioned, so it wouldn't make sense for them to call them something else now, and Nicolaitans or even now, or call them Nicolaitans in Revelations or call them something else now if they're meant to be called Kenites. So I don't think that they're talking about Kenites. It says it. They're talking about Nicolaitans, and it's just no information on what that means. So more than likely, just to sum that up, more than likely, this revelation about the seven churches are for seven churches that did exist back then, since they don't exist anymore. Um, 
and the Nicolaitan thing is something they must have been preaching at the time that um, was a, um, not good, or at least not acceptable to the scribe of the book of Revelation. So that's what happened in chapter 3, and part of what happened in chapter 2. So now we're up to chapter 4, and there's no guy on red letters in this chapter, so we'll probably get through it pretty quickly, but um, either way, feel free to get your Bible and read along, just in case you think I'm not fool you. Or um, just listen and be blessed. We're going to pick up at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. So uh, this shows you now that most likely those seven churches mentioned in the first chapter were talking about churches that existed back then and not now. Because here, the person who's giving um, his guide through this spiritual vision is telling him, now these are things that are come now in the vision that he's about to um, experience. So most likely those seven churches are seven churches that were failing back then, not seven churches that we should look for nowadays. Um, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So now it says he's in the spirit. Um so that basically signifies when the vision begins or the sort of um, revelation divine experience begins. And he's seeing a throne set in heaven and someone sitting on the throne. And the one is capitalized, um, so more than likely the same God. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So... Um, these stones are basically jewel tones. So he's saying the person sitting on the throne, the being, the deity sitting on the throne was basically glistening full of light and a spectrum of colors. You might think of like a, a spectrum, a rainbow um, a prism. Around the throne were 24 thrones and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. So, um, this is sounding less and less divine and more and more like something that humans would do. So that's where a lot of people find doubts in Revelation as far as um, its authenticity and actually being a revelation. But, I mean, it's possible that um, that's what's happening. There's thrones in heaven. And Jesus himself said in the Gospels that there would be 12 thrones um, for each of those 12 disciples, including Judas there. Um, to sit in heaven and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Here we're seeing that there's 24 thrones and there's no mention of the 12 patriarchs from the Old Testament um, being given those sort of um, positions in heaven anywhere that I can remember in the Old Testament. Um, and from the throne proceeded, um, just trying to think if there's anything else I forgot there. No? Okay, and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So, again, there's no red letters here, so this isn't Jesus talking, so I don't necessarily take it as a fact or, you know, a tenet, a doctrine of Christ. But, and, and this is another reason why, because throughout the Gospels, there's no mention of seven spirits at all, ever. Um, by Jesus um, or throne room uh, or um, of the seven spirits in heaven like that. Um, there just isn't. So um, take that for what you will. Maybe this is 
something that Jesus didn't feel like mentioning when he was walking with the disciples. Seems highly unlikely, but at any rate, it's what it says that um, there are seven spirits. There's, um, like I said, there's only mention of one Holy Spirit by Jesus throughout the Gospels. Um, but here there are seven spirits of God according to uh, this revelation. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. So this, um, one thing to notice there is that it mentions a sea of glass. Um, and um, uh, some preachers will preach that wherever there's waters mentioned here, that it's talking about people. Um, but when it's talking about that, it says that. Here it's not saying that that's the sea it's talking about. So you can't just lump any time that uh, waters are mentioned or sea of people or, or sea, are sea is mentioned that is referring to that. Um, you can't just assume that you have to go with, like like the, the preachers say, go with the subject and the object. And here there's no mention of those waters being people. It's talking about a, a sea of glass there, like crystal. So basically, I think what it's saying that it's um, it's sort of um, um, sparkling, glistening, full of light, full of grandeur, basically. But the thing about eyes in front and in back if you think about modern times, if it's thinking about it in the future and it says it's for things to come, more than likely, I would think of those um, eyes in front and back as being monitors, TV screens, somehow, um, maybe even phones, somehow some way of being able to see many, many different places, I think is the point of it. If you're going to think of it in an end times futuristic sort of sense, which is supposed to mean. Uh, the first living creature was like a lion. Um, okay, so it's talking about the living creatures. It doesn't really explain much about, it doesn't say what these living creatures are. But um, I've heard in other places that these are designed for this purpose and this purpose only. Uh, but we'll read more about them. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying bird, flying eagle. So I guess the first thing to notice out of that is that it said it's a creature, but then it said it had a face like a man. So when, when this makes me think of is sort of like um, other mythologies where there's sort of hybrid creatures where there's a man with a horse's body like a pan or some sort of um, a demigod that's mixed creatures. And if you and like I said, I don't know whether the well, just assuming it's real, it makes me think of Genesis and the fact that the animals were here before the humans were. So it would make sense that in um, in a divine sense, in a spiritual sense beyond here and now, that the animals would have some sort of place in heaven. But um, it's not saying that these are actually the animals. It's just saying they had that they were like them. So meaning most likely they had the face or the appearance of them, but not actually those animals themselves. Or it could mean that um, the the image, the being that they saw had the sort of attributes you attribute to those animals, sort of like a lion is fierce. A calf is very nurturing because you get not just steaks and burgers from it, you get cheese and butter from it also and milk. Um, I think that's why a lot of times in, in the Old Testament and throughout um, different, um, it says it even in the Old Testament, um, that that's why they worship um, sort of different things and consider them gods. They'll worship a cow because they get the meat from it, they get the cheese from it, they get the milk from it. 
they'll worship um, goats for similar reasons. They'll worship fish for similar reasons because they'll make money from it. They're able to eat it. So um, that those are the reasons people worship those different animals. So um, if you're thinking that it's this revelation is not real, then that would be a defense for that because they worship lots of animals and people still do in certain religions worship animals and won't eat animals and won't even harm certain animals. If you think about India, cows, cows are considered sacred and they're pretty much allowed to roam wherever. Um, but not just there. You can see um, in ancient Egypt, different animals were held in, um, as deities thought of as divine. So um, in that sense, you could think of here um, that there's some representation of those different animals or those type of animal uh, attributes by these creatures in heaven here. The first living creature, oh, um, and the four living creatures, and the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This makes me think of the church hymn that I remember singing as a kid, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, that um, hymn. Um, and I'm guessing this must be the roots of it. Um, but saying here basically that the four living creatures, that was their role, even though they all appeared differently, they all had the same role of basically praising God, constantly praising God. That was their um Thing. And another thing to notice is that they had wings. Some preachers will actually preach that angels don't have wings, even though throughout the Bible it's mentioned that they had wings. Even angels, um, um, if you think about even the devil as an angel, he was mentioned in one place he's supposed to be the uh, cherub that covers with his wings. And that the Ark of the Covenant, covenant in the Old Testament is mentioned as having the mercy seat of God there with two angels on e either side with their wings spread out above them. But some preachers will preach. Uh, angels don't have wings, directly contrary to what you can read for yourself. So um, similarly here, it's saying here, these these um, creatures, four living creatures, they're not called angels here, but that they do have wings. And then on another note, just to think about that, I know there are preachers who preach that uh, the devil was, they'd taken in Ezekiel, it's saying that the devil there is um, the angel that covers and that, that was his role and that he fell from that position and we'll say that he didn't have wings even though like I just said even the Ark of the Covenant says that the angels there had their wings uh, spread out and then uh, the thing to consider there is um, just it just doesn't make sense that that would be the devil's position to be um, to guard um, God's position in heaven because if it's God Almighty, one, God would know who's going to turn on him, and two, presumably would make it so that none of them would be able to overtake him, so there would be no fear of them overcoming him. That, again, seems more like a human construct of how we think of a kingdom being set up. And another thing is, Jesus said that it's not going to be like that for us in the hereafter. He said that the rulers of this world lorded over each other but that it's not so among those who are called Christians. So that's just another reason that I doubt some of the revelations of Revelation. Um, but we'll keep reading. Whenever the living creatures give glory, give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. So um, uh, the elders uh, would sing that song, Holy, Holy, Holy song, it seems, whenever those creatures would fall down giving praise to God. And the other one other thing to notice is that they also says they had six wings. So um, 
And another place will say there were two wings to cover their face, two to uh, cover their feet, and two they would fly with. So um, there's no mistaking that they're talking about wings that you actually, you know, as we think of wings. Um, so anyway, that's just what a, a side thought about angels. Um, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, so yeah, this is where the song Holy, Holy, Holy seems to get its um, basis from because they're casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. It's how that song goes. And similarly here, that's exactly what it's picturing here happening. For you're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you've created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So um, they're praising God for his omnipotence, basically, and his um, His authority as creator of all, and the power of, that keeps everything sustained and in existence. And like I've said before, there are climate doubters, climate change deniers, who think that because the God mentioned in Genesis says that after the flood that there'd always be heat in summer, or a, a cold and hot and cold winter and summer and that sort of thing. It never said that we'd be here to experience it, just that those would always be if you're going to follow that in the Old Testament. So anyway, that wraps up this um, reading. I hope it was a blessing for you, and I hope you're staying safe from that coronavirus. Um, I mentioned that my brother-in-law um, tested positive for it. My sister has not uh, tested positive for it, but they're both still uh, quarantined in Albany in case you care. And my brother-in-law actually is not doing so good. He's um, His blood pressure has dropped to double digits, and they're not looking for him to make it. And the doctors are saying there's nothing more they can do for him. And it's unfortunate because they think that he got it from one of his church members. Um, so be careful, people. And whether you believe it's fake news or not, people's lives are going from this disease. So be careful and wash your hands. God bless you and peace.